Yeah, I want to help you out this morning. I want you to feel good. I want you to feel connected. And you know, a life carries with it a lot of expectations. And there's a lot of disappointments when we don't meet expectations. And so I thought I would just say, let's just take the pressure off. You know, don't you wish you could go to class and your teacher said, here's how you're going to be graded. You just have to be half-hearted. If you are just half-hearted, that will be fine. I will give you the highest grade. I mean, I think about the DMV. You know the test that you take to get your license, the written one? It is allowable 30% of the time to do the wrong thing on the written test. And you're like, oh, that's good. I don't have to get a perfect score in order to get my, my permit. You see, and that's so much nicer because you got wiggle room in there. And so, you know, that frees us up so we don't feel like, man, I've just got to be perfect. And so that way, you know, I can give half my heart to you and you can give half yours to me. And that way we take the pressure off and then we'll all feel good, right? I mean, after all, what would church be like if God was to zap you dead because you were returning a text in the middle of a sermon. I mean, that wouldn't be very loving. I mean, that wouldn't be very churchy, would it? I mean, so thankfully, we can look at sports scores. We can look at emails. You know, if my sermon gets really boring, you can work on your daily agenda and you don't just get struck dead, you know. So that's a, that's a loving God, right? I mean, you only have half, half commitment. You know, I was in a car and it had this little electronic thingy underneath the dash. And I said, what's that? And the person said, well, actually, that's a module that when I drive... Corporate headquarters records everything that I do in my car, how fast I drive, where I go, so they can always hold me accountable. And I thought, well, wouldn't that be interesting if our insurance rates, we had one of the little modules in your car, because, you know, you think, well, what causes your insurance to go up? Ah, oh, moving violations. You know, really, that's not true at all. Now, it is true that moving violations will make your, your insurance goes up, but that's actually kind of a misnomer because it's not a moving violation. No, it's moving violations that you were caught. You with me on this? And so what if you had one of those things and your insurance rate was directly connected to the module in your car. So you're driving along, you get a text, and it's now illegal to hold a phone. Even if you have it on speaker, you can't hold it. So, you know, you pick up your phone to look at the text. Your insurance rates start going up. 
You speed on the five freeway because you're late. You know, it just took longer to get out the door. And so you said, insurance rates start going up. Some terrible driver cuts you off. And so you get on their bumper and you're tailgating, driving recklessly to let them know that they have offended your sense of good driving. Insurance rates go up. I wonder how much it would cost us to drive them. See, we got a little wiggle room. It's just the ones that we're caught for that affect our insurance rates. So what if what if when you graduate from high school or college, the degree was based on your true effort level? And they had a way of knowing, and they worked it with the attendants. They could tell by how attentive you were in class, what you were doing as the professor was lecturing, the quality of homework that you did. And they could configure all that. And so you went to the graduation ceremony, and then they would send you a FedEx, and you'd get your degree. But it wouldn't be a full degree. You might get a third of a degree because you gave a third of your effort level. And so when you apply for a job and they said, you have to have a bachelor's degree, and you'd put on your resume one-third of a bachelor's degree. You know, what about paychecks? What if your paycheck, you know, there wasn't like laws governing what they had to pay you? And a company was able to just say, based upon your attentiveness at work and your quality of work, your paycheck will reflect that. So if you're at work and you get on your personal email and you're that or you're you know, doing a little shopping on Amazon or eBay under, under work hours, you know, and then you look and, and you get your paycheck and it's like, wait, I only have half a paycheck. They're like, yeah, but you only did half work. That's fair, right? We go, no. I mean, I'm so glad I get a whole paycheck. Even if I wasn't like totally all in in my heart. So we love wiggle room, right? And so, you know, we want to bring wiggle room into Christianity. And we go, I mean, a loving God, he's going to give us wiggle room, right? Isn't that what grace is, wiggle room? But sometimes we go, we misunderstand grace and we think that grace means that being half-hearted is acceptable. Well, in Mark chapter 12, Jeff even referred to this. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and following it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. 
Jesus said, okay, the number one, the greatest, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. All of it. You go, wow, I'm starting to feel pressure. Because it says all. I kind of liked the wiggle room before. But you know, it's funny how we apply different standards of expectations in different situations. You know, when you think, oh, I'm so glad I got wiggle room in some of these areas. Would you pick a surgeon that had wiggle room? I'm half-hearted during your surgery. That should be good. I mean, if most of the time I do what's right in your surgery, I think that should be pretty fair. I mean, surgeons should have wiggle room too, right? Grace, right? It's what we want, is it? What about in a relationship? Can you imagine it a proposal? You get down on one knee, and then you... You pull the box out of your pocket. It's like, honey. I want to make a commitment. But I need wiggle room. So, I'm going to give you half a ring. It's got half a diamond. Uh, You're going to have to, like, tape it or something because the half a ring is going to fall off. But... I need wiggle room because I know I'm not going to be a perfect husband. And so I pledge to you that I'll be half-hearted. So here's my half ring. Grace. Go. Uh, No. I want wholehearted. You go, but I thought we want grace. I thought we want wiggle room. You see, and the question is, do we want grace or are we looking for half-heartedness? You know, the fact is the world we live in sells a lie that half-hearted Christianity is okay with God. And that half-hearted is better than no-hearted. That's not true. Half-hearted Christianity is the same as no-hearted Christianity. As we know in a relationship, we would not dedicate our life to somebody who said, I will be half-faithful. Are you going to give me bonus points for being half-faithful? Hey, I wasn't totally unfaithful. I was just half-unfaithful. That's pretty good, right? You wouldn't feel good about that. And neither does God. Being wholehearted has nothing to do with perfection. Grace comes with being wholehearted. You know, if I stood up before you and go, you know, guys, I've got a sermon for you. I'm not really fired up about it. I'm a little fired up. I'm going to put half my effort into it. 
so at least give me half your attention. Go, what, like, what is going on here? And yet somewhere we actually translate our relationship with God thinking that as long as I'm kind of half in there, God's going to be fired up. No, it's the reason that Jesus said of all the commandments, the most important one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. All. Now, with this in mind, let's turn back a couple chapters to Mark chapter 10. You know, I did a quick little search in the Bible of everything that we're commanded to do with God with all of our heart. Here's the list. We're to sing and rejoice with all of our heart. We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We are to call on the Lord with all of our heart. We're to extol Him. With all of our heart. We're to praise Him. With all of our heart. We're to seek Him. With all of our heart. We're to love Him. We're to serve Him. We're to obey Him. We are to hold fast to Him. We are to turn to Him. We are to carefully observe His Word. We are told to fear the Lord. With all of our heart. That's all contained in Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the connection that God wants. And the fact is, it's the connection that you want. And a half-hearted connection with God will never produce what it is you so earnestly desire. See, the world messes it up, and we go, no way. If you have to be totally committed, that's so much pressure. It's so much time. It's overwhelming. It's just 80 more things to do, and all this pressure, and you're never going to live up to it. It's just going to make you feel lousy. And so, you know, that's not the answer. So we need a Christianity that has a lot of wiggle room. You kind of... You come when you want. You show up to what's convenient. You know, if you don't really want to pray and read, you don't have to. You can kind of work on things the way you want. And if you do that, then you're going to get all the benefits of God without all the commitment. That's what the world says is the answer. Problem is, it will never produce the right kind of connection with God. And with this in mind, let's go back and read a story. In Mark chapter 10, in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept 
since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. I read this story many, many times. And as I was working on this sermon, I I realized something for the first time. Maybe you'd realized it, but I hadn't. Of course, no surprise. You know, when he says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The answer that Jesus gives, he quotes from what? Where does Jesus give his answer from? Ten Commandments, right? Exodus 20. You know what what I realized for the very first time? He actually only references five of the ten. You say, well, which, which five did he leave out? All the ones that talk about your relationship with God. Now, why would Jesus do that? Well, maybe you get a little insight into the conversation right before that. When he says, good teacher, what must I do? He says, why do you call me good? No one is good. But God alone. Jesus knew exactly where this rich man's heart was. And it was a treasure problem. He had a treasure That was not God. But isn't it interesting? So Jesus skips over the first five of the Ten Commandments and lays out five that you can actually fully obey while ignoring the first five. Isn't that amazing? You can be totally half-hearted about God, but still... Be faithful to your wife, not lie, not steal, honor your parents. You know, sometimes isn't that the kind of Christianity that the world's looking for? Where's the practical one? Where's the one that, see, look at all the good things I do. In fact, all these I've done since I was a a small boy. But Jesus knew, hey, yeah, you're doing great on commandments 6 through 10. But you have a treasure problem, which is the first five. You know, there's a lot of functional Christianity that we can live without being sold out in our heart for God. It's called good person Christianity. You know, growing up, I, I went to church my whole life and... I remember when Ron Quint was studying the Bible, he goes, well, when did you become a Christian? And I said, well, I just kind of always was one. I mean, I live a good life. I went to church. I was baptized when I was a baby by my grandfather who was a minister. 
um, it's just always been good. You know the good life Christian? The good life Christian is good as defined because they don't do the things that bad people do. And bad is always defined as just outside of the realm morally of how you live. Always. I've never heard somebody go, you know what, as a matter of fact, as I was thinking about the good life, I actually realized that I'm just over the edge into bad life. Everybody puts himself into the good life, right? But even the rich young ruler, he's like, man, I, I have kept all these since I was a young boy. Now the movie, uh, I think the name of it was Facebook. Was that the name of it? Social Network. Okay, but it was the one about Zuckerberg and how Facebook came to be. That was a really interesting movie because I didn't, I didn't know all the, the history there. Uh, you know, I felt really bad for, was his name Edward? Um, the guy that they kind of shafted. Felt bad for that guy. But anyway, at one point, you know, the attorneys are in this meeting with Mark Zuckerberg and you know, it's it's a very formal legal meeting, and Zuckerberg's totally not paying attention. And one of the opponent's attorneys like, sir, do I have your full attention? And he goes, no, you don't. As a matter of fact, you have the minimal level of tension required to get through this meeting. You know, sometimes that's, that's how we treat God. I'm here. I just, I don't want to have to be totally attentive. I don't want to have to be overboarded. It's just, what's the minimal required level of attention that God's going to feel good about? You know, and that's kind of like the rich young ruler. He's half-hearted. It depends on what half you look at. Well, in terms of how to treat people, he was doing pretty awesome. He was a good guy. But his treasure was totally messed up. Money was his treasure. It was not God. So his face fell. Man went away sad. You know, half-heartedness will get challenged by God. I mean... It's pretty amazing. You, you look at this guy's life and you think, wow, you had it all together. And Jesus says, man, just one, one thing you lacked. Like, that's awesome. I was hoping I didn't get a list of a thousand things I lacked. And Jesus gave me one. This is great. This will be so easy to implement. He says, God, he, he wants you to love him with all your heart. That's the one thing. All of it. Not most of it. Not part of it. But see, the guy had a problem because money had a, a huge chunk of his heart. And so when God called for all of his heart, he couldn't do it. You know, it's kind of like living together but not being married. You want to function as a married couple without actually having to give your whole heart? 
You're never going to experience a married life that way. You can do the things married couples do, but until each of you sell out and give your whole heart, you are not truly going to experience a married life. And sometimes we come to church and we read the Bible and we go, i got to make a change. And then, you know, we, we give half our heart or 60% of our heart and then we go, ah, this didn't meet any needs. See, Christianity didn't work. Now, the problem wasn't with Christianity. The problem was within giving your whole heart. That's why Jesus says the most important one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Did I even think about, and you can write these references down in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and then in chapter 13, verse 3. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is talking about manna, and it says that, do you remember the Lord your God, how he led you through the desert, and how he humbled you and he tested you to see what was in your heart? It says that the Lord caused you to hunger, and then fed you with manna is a heart test. The Lord did that. Well, what did he do? Hardship. Hardship is a test. Now, sometimes hardship is just from Satan, and he's just trying to take you out. But sometimes the Lord's working on your heart. And he's saying, there's an area of your life that is not fully devoted to me. And so God has a way of finding where the the bruise is, and then he just starts poking it. Yeah, you ever have a bruise and somebody like pokes it, and you're like, it hurts. It's more sensitive. You're like, stop it! God doesn't stop because he wants your whole heart. This is that he caused you to hunger. He led you into that hardship. Why? Because he's purifying our heart because he wants all of it. Well, then what was one solution? Manna. You know what I, I, I said is a, is a heart test for us for being wholehearted? Mundane daily dependence. You say, why would you put the word mundane in there? Because I love food. shopping yesterday i ran into Scylla and dq they were shopping too and i, I said you guys got to get out of the fruits and vegetable aisle i said this is like the worst place to shop get over to the meat department in the back so i love food i know that's a shock eating manna every day for 40 years i don't care how many different ways you can craft manna at some point you're like, you, you know, you can put tapatio on it, barbecue sauce, ketchup, sriracha. It's still manna. But you know what our society wants? We want a different menu. I mean, God, you made this world. So if you really love me then you got to feed me in a creative way. You need to cater 
to what I want from you. And it needs to be exciting. It needs to meet every need I have and everything that I want. Here's my flavored component. And it needs to have just the right amount of salt because salt is good and it makes food taste better. And, you know, sometimes that's how we are. We want to define the parameters. You know what God said to Israel? He goes, nope. Manna. That's what you get for 40 years. You get more manna. But I'm tired of manna. Well, guess what? I'm going to give you more manna. is why well to humble us and to test us to know what was in our heart you know i always tell every young married couple after the honeymoon you have to live a normal life you know married life is just one gigantic eternal honeymoon that'd be amazing but there's a reason they call it a honeymoon yeah Bruce is uh, going to fulfill, what is it, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. You know, if you get married, you've got to stay home for a year. You can't go off to war. You know, so you, you get to take care of the wife and bring happiness to her. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's actually in the Bible. It's, uh, yeah, it says, you know, if you're recently married, you've got to take one year and make her happy. Um, so anyway... Enough about Bruce and, and Lillette's uh, extended honeymoon. But at some point, life is just routine. Now you love each other and you, you're committed to each other. But it's just normal married life. It's, tomorrow is just Monday. You love each other. You have kids together. You have jobs to go to and things like that. It's just That's just married life. It's unrealistic to think that every day of married life is going to be just like day number one on the honeymoon. No, that's why that's called the honeymoon. Christianity is the same way, and God is moving and working in our hearts. And sometimes that mundane daily dependence is a gut check for us. Are we still wholehearted? Because God wants all of our heart. You know, in that that scripture in Deuteronomy 13, verse 3, it's an interesting one because he says, you know what, there's even false prophets and they're going to say things and you're going to see signs and miracles and, and they may even come true. But he says, this is just a test to see if you're going to follow other gods. That means that what they said came true, that their miracles were true. And God said, no, this is just a test to see if you're going to leave me and you're going to go follow them. You know, we live in a results society. And so this is what I called the other successful ways of living test. You know, there's all kinds of other philosophies of life and practical things and stuff that we can implement into our daily life that may work. But does it ever become your God? 
You know, we need to work hard. But can work or career become our God? Oh, yeah. You go, yeah, but if I work hard, I make more money. And if I make more money, I can buy more stuff. And then I can feel really good. And see, so it makes me happy because I worked hard and I got more money, so I got to buy cool stuff and take cool trips. See, it works. It's another way of living. And we can go see, look at the results of it. But it can lead our heart astray. See, others' successful ways of doing things. God doesn't want half your heart. He wants all of it. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe you're studying the Bible. And you're learning new things. And you see you see all these teaching out there. And you see this and it's like, wow, there's so much that I need to work on. You know, let me simplify it. God just says, give me your whole heart. You don't have to be perfect. But you do have to be wholehearted to get the kind of connection that we want. You see, that wholehearted devotion supplies you with the power, the faith, and the security that each one of us wants so badly. And so, if you're on track and you're wholehearted, Man, keep going. Never let go. Maybe you're in the middle of a big test right now, and you feel it, and there's that battle and which way to go and whatever. Understand, listen, God allows us to go through things to refine our heart so that he gets all of it. So what are we looking for? Hey, grace comes from being wholehearted. Half-hearted living doesn't supply the grace that we want. We don't want wiggle room in our relationship with God. We want that powerful, intimate connection. So, so what do we do? Well, if there's areas right now that the Holy Spirit's saying, you're half-hearted in this way, and here's how. Turn back to God. You know, the cool thing, and, and this was one that I, I uh, listed, you can turn to him with all your heart. That means you can go back to him with all your heart. And you see that repeated so many times that the Israelites, they'd get messed up. And it says, but, but they turn to him with all their heart. And that's the good news about God is that if at any point we go, Ah, I'm messing up in this area. I'm not wholehearted in this area. I, I've, I've, I've really blown it in this area. That, that God still has given you the opportunity to go back to him with all your heart. Don't let today end without making that decision. Wholeheartedness is what you're looking for. Half-hearted. It's not the answer. That we hope for. It's one the world tells you is convenient. 
but it's not the one that will supply what you are hardwired for for eternity. God's wholehearted with us. It says, the lamb was slain from the creation of the world. God gave his whole heart to you and to me before one atom or molecule of this universe was made. That's pretty amazing. God said, I am all in. I'm all yours. You have all my attention, all my effort, and all my energy, and all my sacrifice. And now the ball's in our court. Let's not give him half of our heart. Let's give him our whole heart. Let's make decisions today that will change us for an eternity and supply us with that connection that we've been longing for, that God wired us for. Let's stand as we close in one final song.